Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Drifting Prime, and I am your host, Gerald Hernandez. And I was going to say this week's guest, but we're going to have two episodes this week. So this week's second guest is going to be Dakota Bowman. Uh, I hope I pronounced that right. And he works for Deechworks. Um, they make fuel supply stuff, uh, fuel pumps, uh, fuel injectors, all that fun stuff. I had him on here to talk about fuel system setup. Uh, I Honestly, I wasn't completely prepared. Uh, it's been a little bit busy for myself recently. You know, fucking Christmas is next week. Uh, I'm doing dealing with that because I haven't finished all my shopping. Uh, I'm also dealing with being super fucking swamped at work for whatever damn reason when it's usually slow around this time. Um, so that, on top of that, on top of being, you know, getting ready for Christmas, I didn't really make the fucking time to actually set something up, you know, so I can get some decent questions in from like a lot more people. I literally posted an hour before we recorded this episode to talk about or to ask about uh fuel system setup. But I hope you guys learned something from this. Um he's actually a pretty cool dude. Uh we talk about just obviously the fuel system setups. Uh, he actually does drift. Uh, he does plan on doing at least a shootout or two next year and pretty cool dude. Uh, we, we, this is like a two hour episode by the way. So we talk a lot, a lot, um, mostly drifting, uh, a little bit about sponsoring stuff. Uh, he is not the guy that he talked to about sponsorships for Deechworks. I will say that, uh, he, he's the tech guy there so he kind of will tell you what to do and what not to do when it comes to the fuel system but he is not the person to approach um for sponsorships uh so don't start bugging the shit out of him not that i think any of you will um but cool dude uh, i really hope you guys enjoy the show uh lastly this is going to be the last episode until the new year um i will be taking next week off which is next week is Christmas, the following week is New Year's, and then I have something set up, not necessarily set in stone yet, which I hope it does, hopefully it doesn't fall through, because I've actually been wanting to get the next guy on for a while. And we should be back the week after New Year's, which is, I believe, the 7th, sometime that week. And then I got a couple other episodes scheduled for then as well. Uh, we're moving forward. If anybody wants to be on the show, this you guys have an open invitation. Um, strictly, we like to talk about Pro-Am, um, but I'm also open to tech. I'm not necessarily shunning or shutting out grassroots events because that's a lot of that's where a lot of us get our start. Um, but if anybody wants to talk about that so we can get some more people maybe who haven't actually ever gone to a drifting event to go to one, at least to spectate. I know there's people out there who haven't that just kind of like watch from afar. Um, maybe they just need that one little kick in the ass to actually get them out to an event. We can kind of talk about that, um, whether you're in SoCal or anywhere in the country, any of you are doing anything as far as just drifting in general and you're trying to grow the sport, help grow the sport, reach out to me. Uh, we can set you guys up an episode. Uh, I'm kind of being more open-minded recently to get to just grow the show and i'm hoping that other people will listen and get into the sport in the way the sport can grow but again 
Thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoy the show. I hope everyone has a happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, whatever the hell it is you separate, celebrate. Happy holidays. Have a happy New Year. Um, and thank you guys for listening to this show for however long you've listened to it. Even if you just listen to one episode, I do appreciate it. And I hope to make better changes for next year for this show so we can get more tech information out there for more people to have a better understanding of things. Maybe they just need to hear it. You know, we'll see how it goes. But thank you again. I've said it like seven fucking times. Enjoy the show. So, by the way, I accidentally uh, double booked this week. Completely forgot that you and I had (laughs) talked. And then as soon as you messaged me, which I'm really glad you did. Uh, I was like, oh, shit, because I, re- I just recorded another episode on Sunday. Oh, crap. Nope, it's all good. Uh, people get two episodes this week, So, because I'm taking the next two weeks off anyways for the holidays, so I will be, uh, they can uh, go out with two episodes for the, la- the last two episodes of 2020, rather. Um, anyways, uh, if you'd like to go ahead and introduce yourself what you do uh where you do it at and uh kind of like segue into the whole uh the whole reason you're actually coming on today um so my name is dakota uh i work at Deechworks. um pretty much i'm the tech guy i help build help people build their fuel systems and then you know answer any questions that they have and then drift in my part time so. nice so what do you what do you drift uh, have a 88 Mazda RX-7 convertible. Okay. Uh, what engine do you have? What engine package do you have in there? That's a 13B turbo. Okay. How long have you been uh, in the automotive industry? Uh, since I was 16. Oh, nice. So for okay. 12 years now. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then drifting. Is that how long you've been doing that? Oh, God. Uh, no. I mean, other than the typical typical shenanigans that you get into on, like, you know, back roads and whatnot, uh, actual uh, dry pavement driving, uh, last two years. Oh, okay. Do you ever plan on competing or anything like that, or? Yeah, uh, actually, so I'm from Oklahoma. Uh, Beachworks is based out of Oklahoma City. But uh, we just had a competition for the first time in, like, four or five years i may be wrong on that um and did some just uh it's kind of a shits and giggles kind of competition so kind of just entered that for fun and um only made it to two events in my car and the first event i got fourth the second one i got first and then the third one i took the car to it blew up (laughs) nice dude that's pretty cool though um so do you do you plan on like competing in pro am at all or no not really? Um, yeah, I've actually been uh, toying with the idea of doing some pro two shootouts, uh-huh. uh, just because it's it's a little more feasible and um, not as expensive as running like a like the next closest thing is Lone Star and they have you know like eight events a season. Yeah, and it's like a ten hour drive for me to make it down to Houston, so I could spend ten hours driving somewhere else and you know, go to one event and have a higher chance of getting a license. Yeah. Or even if, like, you spent the money to go to, let's say, two or three of those next year, 
your chances are higher of getting the license as well. And probably, I want to say the same amount of money with how much you're going to have to travel. Going exactly. to Lone Star for a full season. Yeah. Nope. I uh, I don't knock the um, the shootouts. I actually really want to do one. So yeah, they seem like a lot of fun. Uh, the we actually went to Grid Life and uh, like I didn't take my car, but we went to Grid Life at Pikes Peak International Raceway for the Alpine Horizon Festival. Uh huh. And uh, a buddy of mine who uh, races semi trucks drove there a couple times, and. He says it's a great track, so I definitely want to go drive there. And watching a uh, few other people drive there that I know. Um, um, I haven't Harris- seen... I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, Harrison and a few other guys. Oh, okay. It looked like they had a lot of fun out there. Yeah, I haven't seen anything... Elite, like, not even a discussion as far as, like, a Pro 2 shootout for next year yet. I, I know that they didn't go away. At least I don't think they did. Um, but I haven't heard anything about it yet. So, but I guess yeah, I haven't seen anything yet. I know that uh, Grid Life announced that they're going to be there again this year, but I haven't heard to see if uh, Vegas Drift is going to be doing it again. Yeah, and I know that Vegas Drift used to do traveling, um, like throughout like the southwestern region region, and then I'm thinking maybe they might change it up for next year as well. So yeah, I'm hoping they do something a little closer because <laughs> I. Uh, it sounds stupid, but I've been kind of toying with the idea of street driving my car to one. <laughs> that's uh, that's pretty scary, man. <laughs> it, that's uh, the event that I drove to, or that I won actually, is like uh, an hour out away from me. So oh, okay. Street drove the car there, and then drove the event, and then drove it back. Oh, sorry. Dumb question. You guys have AAA over there, right? Yeah, so I mean, I don't have it, but... Oh, well, if, <laughs> you know, it, over, I don't know how much... It might be a dumb question, but I've never been outside, really been outside of California, so I don't know. Um, but it's like, what, 70 bucks here, and you get like three 100-mile toes? Yeah. Might um, be worth it. I know if, I know a few guys that, that do that, um, or that have done that, but it's, I mean, I'm, I trust my car a lot, so... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what would, you said you you drove it at one event till it blew up. What actually blew up on it? Uh, so it's I I know I'm gonna get a lot of shit because it's rotary and everyone expects them to blow up. But um, I actually was uh, doing a bunch of tandem runs and just wasn't paying attention. Um, I put a new fuel system on the car and I had to delete the fuel level sender, and so I ran out of gas. <laughs> And so it lean spiked and uh, cracked the front iron. That doesn't sound cheap at all. It's, I mean, if I wanted to, like, throw it back together for, like, if I used everything else that isn't broken, mm-hmm. it'd be, like, a couple hundred bucks. Well, and then, then you're, you kind of, you're stuck with that, okay, I could throw it back together with what I have that works. And then be in the same situation and put your potentially put yourself in the same situation at a later date. No, uh, really, really. If I would have just two things could have saved me. I could have found a way to get a level sender back in the car, mm-hmm. so I know how many how much fuel's in it, um, or um, just put a fuel pressure uh, sensor on the regulator or on the fuel system somewhere, and then I could have a uh, pressure safety. So uh-huh. if it would have dropped below, you know, forty pounds, it would have been like. Hey, you're low. Let's, you know, put it in limp mode. 
Oh, no, I meant the engine. I, I assume you're going to be building a new one since you said you're not going or the impression, uh, I, yeah. the impression uh, I got. <laughs> yeah, I've, I'm kind of in talks with a few possible sponsors. Oh, and okay. uh, they're um, willing to help me you know, get the motor ported and balanced. And um, I want to get it uh, bridge ported this year for this coming year and um, get it balanced because I would like to rev to 10,000 instead of just eight. Yeah, that's right. I forgot those things rev really high. Those, um, we, a local guy here, Aaron Parker, he has one and that thing's so freaking loud. And it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's very deafening. Very, very deafening. Um, but so fuel systems, which is actually what you're on here to talk about. Yep. Um, Let's get into that. I don't know a whole lot, so I'm going to ask you some really basic, you know, they might be like profoundly stupid questions to you, <laughs> but I honestly just don't know. Uh, that's whatever I can think of. Um, but if you want to just go ahead and kind of like start getting into it a little bit and talk about, For you sure. know, let's go with, I think a good way to start is like fuel lines. A lot of people kind of like a buddy of mine has like a, a dash 10 fuel line with like a 400 horsepower car that's a lot of that's very much overkill for that (laughs) uh he could have definitely got away with the dash six i mean you honestly you can get away with dash six up to a thousand horsepower if not a little more at the wheels or is that like engine no at the wheels that's fine good to know um and then like with the difference between like a ret- like a deadhead system or like which is basically what like a a, a return system yeah. but with the regulator in the back yeah um if you can get away from it and you're trying to make power i would strongly recommend doing that just because you start running into limitations around uh like 600 horsepower i've i've seen plenty of people make you know 6 700 800 horsepower on it but if you're trying, if you're gonna keep pushing the envelope, it's worth it just to switch to a return style. Got it. Because um, like I ran when I first started, I ran like a because I have an LS, so I just ran the basic, the little stock regulator from like a C5 Corvette, and you just it's yeah. just basically a deadhead setup. But you can move it to the front if you want. And yeah, um, actually. A <laughs> Now that you bring that up, it's actually a really good thing to do is if you're going to run it and it's going to make like stock horsepower and you're going to have like maybe a 200 liter per hour pump in there, it's perfectly fine. But if you start running like a 340 or a 400 or like a, the new, uh, I think uh, it was the ID, no, Wabro, uh, drop that Veyron pump, the brushless one, and it flows around like 600, any of those would be absolutely worthless with that, that filter because it would end up overpowering the regulator and all your pressure. So you would have like, you would be at 58 PSI in the rail, but you would be at like 100 to whenever the PRV on the pump actually opens up. And that's the, there's a little relief valve on every pump. That's basically like a safety mechanism. Uh-huh. And you dramatically reduce flow. So you can have pressure, but you won't have the flow to, to match your, your power needs. Ah. Okay. Um, now let's go with like a 
like a very basic setup fuel system. If you want to just do like a standard upgrade, um, what do you like recommend? Let's just say it's some guy. Uh, I don't know. We'll just go with like an LS base car. Okay. Um, a 240 because everyone and their mom has one. Just a little yeah. simple car. <laughs> like what's a what's like a pretty basic setup to go with? Um, maybe like one inline pump because some people do have that setup, and then some with like the drop-in tank like for fuel cells and stuff. So it's very dependent on the horsepower that you want to make. And so if you're just like dropping an LS in, the, in a car and it makes like, you know, 300 wheel or, you know, 350, then you can skate by with that, that Corvette filter that you're talking about. Uh-huh. Um, but if you're like trying to make anything over 400, it's worth it to go to a return style. So your basic normal, um, say like 255, like a 255 liter power pump can make 400 pretty reliably. Um, you start running out around 500, um, but then you would start needing to in- upgrade injectors at the same time. So if you're, let's say you want to do a nice reliable build, uh, 400 horsepower, and you want to run a ton of timing so you have all the torque nice and early, you switch to E85, you switch to like a 44 pound injector and a 340 liter power pump, and, uh, I mean, inline filter somewhere, obviously, and you're set to go. I mean, you can make 400 horsepower all day long and never have to worry about it. Okay. And I'll be more specific, like, with my setup. So I have a jazz fuel cell where you, I have a pickup tube, and I have, mm-hmm. like, a fuel sock at the end. Mm-hmm. And then I run it to a Bosch 4404, whatever. Um, and then to an inline filter and that goes all the way up to the front to my fuel pressure regulator. No, it goes to my fuel lines first and then it hits my fuel pressure regulator before it returns. Um, I made the mistake before of not having a fuel sock on it and it actually, yeah. cause I run E85, it ate up the foam and it clogged the line. Yeah. So don't make that mistake. No, it's uh, so there's actually a, a couple things I would like to address. Um, that when you're building a fuel system, the best thing to do is before you hook the fuel system to the the rails, um, flush it out with the pump. So that way, because a lot of people build you know AN fittings all the way to the engine, and um, there's always debris that gets in there. That's just that's the way it is. AN lines get tore up as they're being made. Um, so flushing that out, and then also, um, it's kind of just an added safety measure. You can flip the polarity on uh, fuel pumps, and it's not going to hurt them. And so, if there's any debris that was picked up, you know, in packaging or shipping or anything, you know, something that were to happen and clog the pump, because there's not very much room between like the the actual motor and like the the side cases. Mm-hmm. So if any debris gets in there, then it'll stop the motor, and people will complain about you know fuse popping all day long but it's because they either you know sucked up debris from the tank or they while they were putting it together it got debris in it somehow so if you flush the pump backwards real quick and then then install it with the filter and throw it together you'll be good to go hmm. so basically you pull it kind of like into the pump and then put the filter after and then it'll catch it no like uh 
So, like, you put the positive to the negative and the negative to the positive on the bump. No, 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 no actually, I, I know uh, what polarity is. I got that part. Um, sorry, let me... So, like, if you're pulling <laughs> it back from the motor, since you're reversing polarity, oh, you would yeah. pull it towards the pump, and then let's just say then you put a filter in. Yeah. And then so when you do push it through to the engine, it will stop it at the filter. Yeah. And you, okay, that's... Sorry. That's, that's my bad... Uh, Oh, you're you're fine. Um, I I think one qu- one thing I really don't know about uh, are injectors. Like I know I needed bigger injectors for when I went to E85. Yeah, uh, and I I didn't do E85 for any reason in particular. I honestly I did it because I just wanted to. Um, well, I mean, added horsepower immediately for very little cost. <laughs> yeah, I think. I, I got some LSA injectors, so which are like 58 pounds or something like that. I think my stock LS6 ones at the time were like, like I think they're around like 30, 38 or 40. Yeah. And then, so I did that and then I did the whole, uh, cause I had to like do a segment swap on my ECU cause I run a stock ECU. So mm-hmm. I did all that. And then I think I was only in it for like, 250 plus the I think I was in it for like less than 300 bucks yeah but that's what I mean that's a that's a good cheap way to make horsepower just I mean because you can up the you can advance the timing and that's gonna make horsepower and torque especially at a lower end okay yeah see I don't know a whole lot about fuel systems it's it's stuff like it like I don't like really dig into something or learn about it until I it's a it's an issue for me. Yeah. And then I'll learn as much as I can or I'll learn as much as I need to to fix my problem and then move on. I mean that's I was kind of the same way. I mean, I didn't start working at Deechworks till about 3 years ago and I've uh obviously I've had an interest in cars and whatnot and so once I actually started working there is when I started learning a lot more about it, and, you know, what Kind of shenanigans you need, what you don't, and um, you know, trying to keep people from buying things that they don't need. Yeah, like so. So, what would be like the uh, like a big misconception that people have when it comes to like fuel systems? Um, whether they're overbuilding something or they're thinking that oh, I don't need that, this will be fine, and they do need something that they don't have. So, one big thing that I would address for drifting, especially is a surge tank um some sort of surge tank or if you have a if you've got a car new enough with a like a bucket in it the plastic bucket you're fine um but a lot of people you know drift 240s rx7s 86s not so much those anymore but like anything that's older than you know like 2000 Mm -hmm. none of those have buckets in them so they tend to have a lot of fuel slosh and that could cost you a motor possibly especially if you're boosted so getting a surge tank or some sort of fuel cell is fuel cells not as necessary. Uh, surge tank's a little cheaper, and you can still utilize the factory fuel tank. Um, more pressure is not better. Uh, it will help your. I mean, you'll you're basically making your injectors larger, but at the same time you're sacrificing flow from your pump because the more pressure you're pushing from the pump the less flow is actually going to your injectors because the pump has to work against the pressure to make flow. 
Can you dumb that down? I, I kind of got it, but... Um. <laughs> so, essentially, the the pump is it's just a, a turbine impeller. And if there's a lot of pressure on one side of the line, mm-hmm. and it's, I mean, it's all going to be above the pump, the more pressure that's on that, the where the where the fluid's trying to go, the harder it is for that fluid to move that direction because there's more pressure there. Mm, okay, now I, now I kind of see it. Um, damn, I wish I could compare it to something off the top of my head, but I can't think of anything. It's kind of hard to... I, I get it now, because now I can <laughs> see it in my head. Um, sorry about that. What's What are but, people not doing that they should be? What's a, like a big thing you see people doing that uh, like they're kind of skipping out on when it comes to like a fuel system setup, other than the surge tank? There's not really much. I see a lot of people that will either not buy the right size injector, or they'll try to get the most out of an injector that they shouldn't. Um, like, for instance, 240 guys that are still running side feeds. I don't know why you guys are doing that. Like, just switch to top feeds and have a more reliable, better running car than running the old side feeds. Unless you're running, like, street legal series where you have to have OE stuff. Um, But other than that, I mean, there's not really much. Like, if you're just... I guess I don't see it as often, but there's... Running an injector to its, like, absolute limit and then, you know, possibly costing them a motor, just go ahead and upsize the injector. It just makes more sense. There's a lot of people that will skimp out on injector, and I don't see why, because it's, like, if you don't have the right size or you're not flowing enough, then you're possibly going to cost yourself, you know, anywhere from $1,000 to $10,000, depending on the motor you're building. Yeah, okay, I can see that. Um What is are injectors based off of like horsepower or is it kind of based off of actual flow? Like, is it all like, is it so like obviously you'd have like let's say somebody wants to run five hundred horsepower, um, would the injector difference would there be a huge difference with like a five hundred horsepower on you know like running ninety one octane race fuel or E eighty five? Is there a difference in in the so screen. there's there's actually a uh, the race fuel on regular gas isn't as big um, as it is with E85 or E100 and regular gas. Um, the worst one would be like methanol because um, you need there's basically like simple equations for this. Um, like E85 uses about a third more, so you're using 33% more um, fuel to get the same sort of effect that regular gasoline does. Um, race gas, it's actually less. I mean, you need less fuel to make the same amount um, just because it's more volatile. And uh, methanol is not very volatile, um, where you need almost four times as much as regular gasoline. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, you see a lot of, like, uh, like drag car builders... Um, use methanol because it's extremely safe from uh, detonation and it's purely just because you you need so much of it Um, just like E85 it's safer in gasoline because you need more of it Um, so 
I guess the simple equation is I'll base everything in V8, and then you can kind of work from that to guess what it would be for a four-cylinder or six-cylinder. Um, so like a, a V8, if you want to make a 1,000 wheel horsepower, you need roughly a 1,000 cc injector on E85. If you want to make a 1,000 horse on gas, then you can get by with like a, I guess, I'll highball it a little bit, like 800. You don't need as large of an injector. Um, methanol to make a thousand, you would need like a like a three thousand to thirty five hundred cc injector, which is outrageous. <laughs> sounds outrageous. Um, but so, and on the same note, if you want to make a thousand wheels par- horsepower on a um, four cylinder, you would need double that because there's half the cylinders. And then same goes for a V six. You would need two thirds of that, or two thirds more, because it's you know, two thirds the engine. Ah, okay. I've only so like, I've only dealt with like V8s my whole life, so I don't. Yeah, that's that's kind of why I'm basing it on that. So like, we'll we'll say the same thing. You want to make 500 on E in a V8, you're going to need a 500 cc injector. But if you want to make a thousand or 500 horsepower on a four cylinder, you're going to need thousand cc injectors because you have half the the motor. I could I could see. That makes sense. So volume, is, the volume still matters is how much fuel you're getting, right? Yeah. Um, and it kind of varies. I mean, there's like, there's certain motors that are a little more thirsty than others. Like, uh, obviously, RX-7s are very thirsty animals. Um, uh, Subarus, uh, flat fours are pretty thirsty. Um, but pretty much else is everything else pretty pretty efficient with their fuel. So those are really only the two that I, I know that stand out. Gotcha. Uh, with um, what's what's a good setup to kind of like build up with? Like, let's say you know, to do something maybe a little at a time. Like, you can get away with like a fuel cell for now, and then kind of like upgrade that. Maybe it's not like as big of a pump or something. Like, what what would be like the proper steps for somebody who's building? kind of slowly like hey they only have you know the budget to get a fuel cell this season but they can't upgrade a whole entire fuel system what would you kind of recommend so i would personally or actually probably what would be the best thing to do is work backwards so if you already have a return system say i mean that's basically anything pre-2005 um then you can get away with doing injectors and then a lot of new injectors can um, work at a very low duty cycle. So you could make, you know, you can buy 1,000 cc injectors on your V8 and make 300 wheel perfectly fine. It's You're not even going to notice you have 1,000 cc injectors as long as they're tuned right. Um, that being said, you will need a tune, but it's way cheaper to just, you know, throw 1,000 cc's in there, you know, get a $200 tune, and you're good for a while until you can save up and get you know, fuel lines and a surge tank or fuel cell and then whatever pump you want to get. So you can stay at the 300 horsepower mark and then actually the injectors would act as a band-aid if you want to make a little more horsepower just because they, they're going to flow more anyways. So you could, you're not going to get the maximum potential out of it from that from the pump that's in the car already, but you can definitely, um, you know, up the duty cycle a little bit and make up for what the pump lacks. Got it. Is there any significance to running a dual pump setup? 
uh, if you need it. <laughs> what 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 would? Why would you need it? Um, like what would what would be the reason for you to need it other than? Because uh, I've seen some guys have it and they're like, four hundred horsepower. It's. I mean, I guess I'm one of those idiots, but. Uh, I do it for redundancy. Um, but there's definitely not a need for it. If you're making below uh, 800 horsepower, you can get away with a single pump. And as long as it's supplied enough. Uh, if you have a surge tank, obviously you're going to have two pumps anyways. Yeah. You're going to have one intake feeding the surge tank and then one in the surge tank or one somewhere after the surge tank. But, uh, yeah, there's, I mean, there's most... There's plenty of pumps on the market right now that are above, uh, like, like a 340 or 340 liter power pump can support around like 650. So if you have like a 400 liter power pump and you're not running crazy pressures, then you can get away with that till around 800 horsepower. Hmm. Okay. So I mean, if you want to, if you want two small pumps like. Right now, my fuel system in my car is a bit overkill because I only make like 350 wheel. Um, but I have the brushless uh, T-Torx pump in my tank, and then I have three DW200s in my in my surge tank. Um, one of them is purely for backup, and the other two run all the time. Um, but it's purely just overkill because I can. <laughs> I, I work at a place that I, allows me to do that. Yeah, I, I figured as much. It's uh, I'm pretty sure it's nice working. Well, I'm sure working in the automotive industry has its perks when it comes to getting things. Yeah, I mean, it's my fuel system in my car is good for like oh, almost 600 on E. But it's I literally just run 350 because I don't need any more. I don't want to kill tires faster than I need to. Yeah, that's definitely understandable. Um, I don't even... I'm not skilled enough yet to be burning through tires. Um, That doesn't mean I don't... For people who have said in the past that I give myself a hard time on the show, that's mostly part of my sense of humor. Uh, But uh, I, I am not... I haven't gained the skill enough to, like, completely keep burning lap after lap and just going through tires um which i'm hoping to figure that out this year my problem is i have an extremely heavy foot and then it's also i have to drive tailored to the car where my turbo is very laggy okay and uh if i'm not on it and like at 100 percent throttle above 5000 rpm and i'll drop out of boost so I, I have to drive the car with throttle the whole time. <laughs> oh. So it kind of kills tires. <laughs> yeah. But that's... I mean, that that was pre... Uh, I managed to find a, a ton of uh, exhaust leaks, so I'm hoping that it's going to spool faster now. Oh, that's uh, probably not good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what tires do you run? Uh, pretty standard setup, uh, five, nine, five federals up front. And then, uh, I've been toying with the new Kenda KR20, uh, A's in the rear. How do you like um, those? 
they're not bad. Um, I'm sure I get a lot of flack for this. They're a decent tire. Mm-hmm. Um, I've ran a couple others. I've, I really wish the Federals were a little more reliable, um, just because I really like the amount of grip they have. Uh, it's enough that I, the car can drive me, and I'm not driving it anymore. Um, but the the KR20s at like 10 psi are really good, but. I really wear down sidewalls really fast like that, so it's really hard to drive the tires the way I want to. I'm going to try Valinos this coming year and see if I like those anymore. I've heard uh, a buddy of mine who's been doing some Pro 2 shootouts really likes those, so I'm going to give him a shot. I've actually heard good things. Like the the Lone Star guys, they fucking swear by it, the KR20s. Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing differently because it seems like they like them a lot more than I do. Yeah, are you running the same size they are? Yeah, 265, 35s. Huh. Because, uh, like, I've had... uh actually had uh, Kendra Messer on not too long ago, but I, my dumbass, yeah. accidentally... Uh, long story short, I deleted the whole episode by accident during the middle <laughs> of our right. recording. Yeah, it was not good for me. Um, I was so irritated. And... Uh, but she was telling me she takes, like, she'll drive all day on a set of tires. And then she'll change yep. her tires the next day and run another, a whole another day. And I'm like, and then I've also seen, like, some videos from Aaron Losey where he's like, yeah, I have these scrubs. And uh, yeah, he runs them on his E36. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I just did 40 laps on these. Yeah. Uh, yeah. After they've been used on another car. <laughs> yeah. That's fucking crazy. So, like, I keep hearing yeah. stuff like that. And then to hear you say, like, um, yeah, I'm clearly doing something wrong. I mean, if someone right, yeah, at least, at least you're acknowledging I'm that. You're like, happy. I might be doing something wrong. <laughs> but uh, I definitely have some, like RX-7s have crappy uh, camber in the rear. Okay. Uh, there's not really a good way to adjust it. So I'm definitely wearing down the inside more than I should. Even with like uh, aftermarket arms? Uh, there's not really that option for us. Huh. Um, Holy shit. Okay. So there's, uh, it's a semi-trailing setup. So there's, I do have pretty much everything uh, powered by Max has to offer. Okay. In the rear, but uh, the only thing is there's not the there's camber adjustment, but it's only sold by Mazda Tricks, and I think one other place, maybe Stu Kelly might have them. Um, but there's a way to adjust camber for per arm, and it's a huge pain in the ass. So there's actually another way that you can pivot the subframe in the rear. If you pivot it up, it adds positive camera. If you pivot it down, it adds negative camera. Mm-hmm. And um, I've tried doing that, and I've got it pretty close to almost zero, but whenever it, it squats down in power, it just goes negative, and it's not much I can do. Yeah, um, I have the exact opposite problem like with a... Uh running such like a, a not such a high but a higher spring rate in the rear for this car and then my also like because i i drive a cadillac and yeah the fuel system, i've seen i've seen a couple of your videos <laughs> oh they're 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 amazing right um there this thing the way field designed the suspension i'm not allowed to really get so low in the rear and it's been I've heard it from a couple other like Cadillac owners too. They're like, yeah, I can't really get that low. So they're like, they run them as low as they can in the rear and they just kind of adjust the front to like match that. 
Yeah. But that's kind of like where I'm at right now. And then not to mention when I bought my suspension setup, I was like, I went through a third party because I was going to be working with um, kind of like a parts supplier, like speed shop. He's like, oh, okay, you yeah. know, I can get you this deal on this part. And I was like, cool. So there's a lot of miscommunication between him and I. And he ordered the stock spring rates. And I was like, hey, the car weighs like 800 pounds less than I did from factory. And then I even spoke to Phil about it. And Phil is like, they're like, that's absurd amount of weight loss. And I was like, okay, well, that's what it weighs. And so I ended up getting the stock spring rates that they sell. So which was like a 12K, 6K setup on a true rear coilover. And this 12k in the rear? Uh, no, 12k in the front. 6k in the rear. Oh, okay. okay. And it's just the car's been so loose, and I've kind of had to like relearn how to drive when I came from like an E46, and I was able to just hold the thing open, and I would even have to clutch kick like multiple times during corners, you know, to keep the wheel spinning, like because I had a lot of grip in that car, and I really liked that setup, and I was just getting comfortable with it, and then I crashed it like an idiot. Um, <laughs> so that's what I was used to, and then. I jump in this thing and I'm like, holy shit, this thing's super loose. And I did, you know, I tow it in, tow out in the rear, um, negative camber, positive camber, just trying to figure out how this thing's going to work. And I just couldn't get it. And so finally I just came down to like, I'm going to have to drop spring rates and kind of hope for the best. And I actually have my coilovers for sale so I can go to feel so I can buy new ones. I'm surprised that you're having problems with the rear grip considering the, like, you have a lot of things in your favor as far as suspension geometry and yeah, um, weight. And a lot of people who have seen it have said that, but the car is actually more front heavy than it is rear heavy. Yeah, so I think I have like I think as like, long as it transfers weight properly with the suspension setup, it shouldn't be. But then a again, big issue. it's also my very very limited knowledge in that, and then like just with cars in general, like I'm not, I don't pretend to like that I know it all or anything like that. I just kind of. I'll make it work and uh, until I don't, until it doesn't work at all. Like after I've tried everything, then I'll finally ask somebody to help me. Yeah. But that stuff is expensive. So that's why I try to figure it yeah. out on my own first. Yeah. <laughs> so I've already been down that road of, of having uh, virtually no adjustment and just kind of dealing with it. Yeah, I, I know I have adjustment, uh, which is fine. Uh, but I would like to get the rear a little bit lower, which I was able to. They put like some of these little, I don't know what the hell they're called. There, there was some piece inside of the coilover that I was able to take out um, to get like another half inch in the rear to get it lower. So I'm hoping that kind of works in my favor too, because it, it's it just feels super high in the rear, like on the bottomed out on the fill coilover, like as low as it can possibly go. It's maybe like three quarter no i would say like a an inch and a half lower than stock hmm. but i don't know so it's, it's something i keep really play- yeah <laughs> something i keep playing with um but i'm hoping to i'm hoping that lowering the spring rate this year will help significantly and then i can kind of like get back get back uh get back into the whole hold the throttle down and just go for it the way I was able to, like in the BMW, like as soon as I got comfortable with it, it was like, oh, hey, like I wrecked it. So it just didn't work out. So why CTSV from the BMW? It's uh, like a big change. 
the CTSV is actually what my motor came out of for my BMW. So it's, uh, was one of my dream cars. And then I started doing more research and it was like, Oh, it's independent rear suspension. Granted the wheelbase is 113 inches, which is very long for a drift car. Yep. (laughs) And I was like, put, you know, it's, I'm like, it's gotta be able to work. Like it's, you can get it light, light ish. You know, now the car weighs 3,100 pounds without me. That's pretty impressive for a mm-hmm. big car like that. Mm-hmm. That came, well, it was 39.50 or 80, depending if you had like the sunroof or not. I think that was like the significant difference. And it's like 39.80, like fully wet, you know. And now it's at 3,100. And I still can take more weight out, like cutting the doors out a little bit. Um, there's a few yeah. other like odds and ends that like where shit would bolt to. That's like pretty significantly heavy. There's like, I don't know, that'll probably weigh up to like five, five, six pounds. But when you're building a race car, obviously every pound matters kind of. Yeah. I've kind of not cared about that. Yeah. I wish I did. not <laughs> I've actually been toying with the idea of building a whole other car. and uh, As have I. I've been thinking about the ATS. That'd be pretty expensive. No, I was looking on Carid. Carid. That's the fucking wrong car site. I was looking on uh, Copart. And oh, okay. you can find, like, because I want a sedan. I didn't, I'll never build another coupe after, like, I built a sedan. Like, there's so much fucking room. And I think the only people who kind of agree with me is people who have built a coupe before they built a sedan. And, like, have you, trying to get into the back of your car, like, when you have a coupe, like, if you need to do anything back there, it's a pain in the ass. Like, I remember when I had my BMW, I always shoved my son back there. I was like, hey, you're going to learn how to do something today. Because <laughs> it's, especially with the cage. It, yeah, it's impossible. Yeah. I, I've toyed with a few... Uh, coupe rx sevens. Luckily, with the convertible, it's I drop the top and I'm at, I can access everything. So oh, that's nice. right. See, so you have the yeah. So the convertible or the sedans, that's the way to go. Um, yep. But uh, there is quote unquote added weight. I know supposedly the E46 is supposed to be a little bit lighter in the sedan for in the sedan um, platform, but and also a little uh, sturdier. Yeah, from my understanding, but. I, we have an added uh, pillar in the car, so it really helps. Mm-hmm. But being able to just open the back door and, you know, if you have, like, that's where my battery is. Before, like, on the BMW, I had to, like, remove the front seat to get to it. Yeah. Because I had my battery right behind the passenger seat, and it was it was just a pain in the ass. Yeah, actually, a, a buddy of mine, uh, Jack uh, Davis, he has, he runs Lone Star, and um, he has an E36 Coupe. And it's uh, it looks considerably easier to work on just because it's a stand mm-hmm. than working on a cube. I'd, I'm dreading building the Park Seven just because of the not being able to get to things. Yeah. So do you plan on building another? You do plan on building another RX Seven, but in a coupe form? Yeah. Um, I've had the the blue Vert for ten years. Oh shit! Um, it was the first. It was the first car I bought with a loan. Uh, oh shit! When I so, wait, wait, wait. way overpaid for it. Clearly. <laughs> uh, Plus financing but, and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, I paid 3900 for it, which is way too much at the time. I've had, like, the least I've ever paid for an ARC 7. I've had, like, 
uh, a dozen at least. And I gave a guy a pack of beer for one. Because it was, he was like, I'm just getting rid of it. I was like, all right, I'll have the shell then. And just hand it over. <laughs> so, uh, but now I've, a buddy of mine had a coupe that he was doing nothing with. And he wanted an 8.6. I happened to have an 8.6 shell at the time and traded him. Um, and I was like, well, I'll just make it into daily. And then one thing led to another. And I started dra- uh, drifting the vert. And kind of building it the way I wanted to. And then uh, this coming year, I was like, I really want to do some, like, approach it shootout or do Pro-Am or something. And I would really like to not stuff my prized possession into a wall if worst comes to worst. So I'd rather stuff a car into a wall that I don't really care about as opposed to the car that I've had since high school. So Yeah, I've done just, that twice now. Yeah, I'm not, I'd rather not do it to a car I love. Like this is that's my baby. Yeah, when I was uh, my first Cadillac, my dumbass was like it was like three in the morning. No, like I had to be in, which is it was like a forty-five minute drive from my house at the time. I had to be there at like four fifteen for some work thing. Um, so I was like, oh, it's fucking, it's like four in the morning. Let's open it up. So I decided to floor it in my Cadillac. At the time, and my dumb ass was trying to take a picture of my speedometer because I was That's doing nice. like 130 at the time. Yeah. Well, anyways, my dumb ass started like swerving over into the the second. I was in the first lane, not the uh, the di- we have like um, carpool lanes here, so the far yeah. left lane will be the carpool lane. So I was in the first lane right next to it, and my while I was trying to get the camera, the stupid ass camera to focus, I started swerving into the right lane, and then I look up and I was like, oh shit, there's a truck there. Let me move out of the way. And I jerked the wheel a little bit too hard at 1.30, and yep. then I went right into the wall. So I basically yep. sideswiped the center divider at 120 miles an hour, probably by the time I hit the brakes and slowed down. Very little. And then I slid all the way across the freeway, and then my car was done. Yeah, I've been... Uh, I'm pretty, like, tame for uh-huh. some reason. Like, I'm very tame when I'm on the street. My girlfriend complains because I drive like a grandpa. But <laughs> I'm very different animal whenever for some reason there's a switch that just goes off when i'm on the track and i'm very focused i'll so. floor it to get on the freeway that's that's pretty much the the only way i'm driving like now but other than that i'm not unless even if i'm like in a big hurry like i'm not going to redline it every fucking gear yeah no it's just not yeah it's not worth it i used to do that like, and uh i paid yeah. for that twice well not well the first <laughs> time i paid for it the second time was then I was like, finally, I get to build a race car. I'm going to keep it off the street. You know, I finally started making money as an adult. And then I wrecked that car. So, like, now I don't give a shit about this car. Like, I like it. I love my car. It's a CTS. It's something I always wanted to build. But it's like, oh, if yeah. I wreck it, I have two more chassis in my driveway. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. There's something about, like, just, like, I, even though I have another RX-7, it's not, you know, it's the not RX. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like, if I still so had my red one, it would never have been a drift car. It would have just been a street car. And my issue right now is that I like street driving my car too much. So, even, like, all the local events that I go to, it's always street driven there. It's just, I don't know. To me, it's like a, a pride thing because, A, it's rotary, and, B, it's just fun to drive a drift car on the street. So, 
I'm I just like hopping in it and pretending it's a daily. Oh, and then I, everyone making fun of me because I'm an idiot and uncomfortable and it's hot. And <laughs> you know, I can't even have my fucking car running for longer than like ten minutes because my neighbors like to call the cops on me. They fucking hate me. Uh, luckily, mine's fairly quiet until it gets yeah. in the boost. So, uh, it's open with, so. So me just even trying to, you know, drive it up and down the block is just not happening here. Because they, yeah. like, as soon as 8 o'clock comes, if I make a, any type of noise, like if they hear my grinder just turn on, like, just for me to see if it's working, it's like, boom, noise complaint. That's ridiculous. Yeah, the people I live by don't really care, luckily. And then a buddy of mine uh, owns a shop literally three blocks away from my house. Uh-huh. So, uh, he, uh, last year, um, he was like, Hey, I'm not doing anything with one of these bays and was very nice to let me start using his shop for my car and tore it all the way down and did a whole bunch of work to it. And I've been keeping the car there, but just best friend for, oh, like 10 years now. And he's, uh, kind enough to let me use his space without any charge. <laughs> Yeah, that's. I have a like a pretty decent garage for like one car. You know, obviously I, it's on jack stands and I work on my back and I'm I'm okay with that. Don't get me wrong, a lift would be nice and a taller garage, but like I'm content with what I have right now. Um, I wish we had a lift. That would be. Helpful. Yeah, that would. <laughs> it it sure would, because then I could just leave it up there for like the whole off season while I'm doing shit to it. Yep. But then again, it does become. If you don't have, like, the space for a lift? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the I worked out of my garage here for about a year. And then um, before I moved down to the city, my hometown, I owned a storage unit. And that's I worked on my car out of the storage unit just because I didn't have a garage at my home back there. So Actually, a I'm buddy, more, than, more than familiar with working in really tight spaces. And, yeah, a buddy of mine rents a storage facility for, uh, and he's building, like, a S14 in it. Dude, that's where it's at. It's honestly like, if you can't afford a house that has a garage, it's not that expensive. Yeah, and he's uh, he already has like an S13 with an LS. He's building an S14 with an LS and a dog box and all that fun stuff. And yeah. every time I'm like, dude, is that just a fucking storage unit? He's like, yep. I was like, damn, it works. Yeah, he doesn't it do like any major like fabrication or anything. He mostly just does like all the hands-on stuff. Um, yeah. like bolt on like I think he did like his brake lines that was like the the biggest part of like quote unquote fabricating he did and uh but you know he's built that whole thing in a fucking storage shed that's like basically how my yeah. car was built <laughs> dude that's that's fucking awesome cause I dealing with storages is kind of a mess and they're like like even your contract it says nothing with oil <laughs> Yeah, uh, the, luckily the one that I it's I'm from a relatively small town, um, and they were they didn't really care. So I had bought a the same buddy that let me use his shop. He's another big rotary guy, and oh, okay. he had a a turbo two a white turbo two RX seven, and I had been wanting to get a car for a drivetrain, and I also you know initial D white RX seven need to have it you know, so. Uh, I bought, bought that car from him for a grand, and I was like, well, I'm going to build this one, and then all the drivetrain is going to go into my vert. 
So I was working at a like a, a Mac like a Mac truck dealership oh, okay. at the time, and uh, saving up money and whatnot. And they ended up selling out, and so when they sold out, um, they they let a bunch of people go. So I got let go, and I was like, shoot, you know, I'll just take off a month. And, you know, then start looking for a job afterwards. Saved up enough money and literally set the white RX-7, the white uh, T2, next to my vert. And within, like, uh, was it like two weeks, I had all the drivetrain, the ECU, um, everything swapped over into the, the blue car. That's and like double the work. Running. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always wanted to do that uh, with anything, really. And then, but I just think about like, damn, that's so much work. Like, you got to pull an engine from one car, two cars, yeah, rather, and then install one, possibly two, depending on what you're doing. Um, and it, it just becomes a nightmare. And like every time I see like that bigger picture of me having to, not not necessarily the bigger picture of like the end goal, but the the small picture of um, me having to do all the fucking work, I'm like, nope. Honestly, it's not like when you have both cars right next to each other, it's not that bad. It's and it's as long as you got like a good podcast or something good to listen to. Like I listened to music the whole time I did it and it was actually super therapeutic for me to just cuz everything was like nothing was broken. So literally it was just like unbolt this, put it on this, unbolt that, put it on this and it was like nothing was difficult because it's the same chassis. Nothing is, you know, unique to the other one. So it was like just slide it in, good to go. Yeah. That could be, uh, I could, I could see it that way. Uh, eventually I'll do it to something because I, I still want to build an XJ. I have one in my driveway right now. But um, I just don't have the time or the money with all of everything else I'm doing, like the podcast, work, and then building a drift car or rebuilding yeah, and trying to. Perf- make this car better not much spare money or time yeah and a, and a, a family so that yeah, i'm i'm not i'm glad i don't have kids at the moment but i definitely want a kid in the future but i could see how it would be more difficult if i had a kid trying to get stuff done yeah i will say that like because like me and my my son's mother had separated so we have him half of the time so you know you get that little you kind of get like a time to reset like without them. So I have them, you know, exactly half the time. It's basically like a one week on one week off deal. It's yeah, it's not, that's not exactly what it is, but essentially, um, like I go five days without them and then I'll have them five days straight and then two days. So it's kind of nice to kind of have like that little reset and you kind of get that time to, yeah, so kind of a, a silver lining. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, he doesn't complain. He likes it, so I'm like, cool. that's good. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm super scared my kids aren't gonna like cars. <laughs> dude, I, okay, so I'm glad you brought that up. That's funny. Um, so my son, like, he doesn't, I he doesn't like really. He likes cars because he's always around them, so he's like, eh, whatever. But. <laughs> Like the other day, I took him to like this little go kart drifting track, and uh, oh yeah, I think I've been to one of those. I went out to oh goodness, L.A. for the Seven Stock, uh-huh. and they had one of those. What is like a facility where they have like the drag carts and then the the slick track and then 
whatever the the grip track. Oh shit! I gotta find out about that because uh, we went to one that was here like it's like a couple minutes from our house, and it's just a drift track only, and oh. it's called like Super G Drift or something like that. And I took him, and he goes, "I was like, hey, like I always gotta give him a pep talk because he gets like super like excited, like oh they're gonna let me drive their cars. He's eight, so I'm like, no, <laughs> that's not gonna happen. Um, I was like, but I just want you to see it. I want to see if you like it." And then, like, when we got there, we were there for, like, five minutes. And he goes, all right, um, this is boring because he's like, I'm not driving a car. He's like, "Yeah, I want to be able to do it. He's like, I don't want to just watch people do it. And I was like, that's fair. I'll give you that. So I think that's actually – I took him there because I, was, I wasn't sure what I was going to get him for Christmas. And then I was like, all right, I'll get him that. Um, speed zone. That's what it was. Thanks, oh, you went to speed zone? Oh, okay. Yeah. Dude, uh, I've been – I've taken him there before, too. Um, yeah, have them drive to the like. They, there's a bunch of little kids that when we went, that were having just an absolute blast. I'm yeah. sure he would love it. It's been a couple of years since I've taken him. He's a little taller now. He might be able to get on like the faster cars too. Um, yeah, that's probably something I'm gonna have to do next. The next weekend he's with me. Um, but like I want him to get into it because I want him to start like working on them to get like make that you know mechanically inclined because when i was a kid yeah. i would always take shit apart because i always saw my dad take shit apart because he always drove shit boxes so he didn't really have a choice um so i kind of want him to get into it uh so we'll see what happens hopefully uh that'll be like the kickstart into something he might re- actually enjoy right yeah I, I imagine it will because as soon as i started taking things apart when i was a kid i immediately wanted to do everything i used to take vcrs apart yeah dude anything and everything yeah my dad was and uh, put it back to so I, he'd have like a bunch of spare computers and i would just start ripping them apart and then i'd get in trouble yeah i think my dad <laughs> he my dad had like taught me how to put a computer together when i was like 12 and i was like all right what's next he's like now you gotta program it i was like i don't want anything to do with that yeah you sit there for hours waiting yeah, just like, all right, this is going to take an hour to install. I'm going to go do something else. Yeah, exactly. You're like, oh, I'm over it. I'm playing video games now. But um, so I did get one question on Instagram. I only posted it like an hour before we started. So unfortunately, yeah, we don't I imagine there are a little more if there are a little more time before. Yeah. Uh, so, and again, Sorry, man. I, I did double book myself. I completely, completely forgot about you. And I'm, I've kind of been like on it where like I put it in my calendar. So I kind of have a notification. And then yeah. I completely forgot. But uh, I got a question from JJ Slides. And he asks, fuel cells and hatchbacks. Track legal to use a shelf or wall touching the hatch, glass, Lex or Lexan? Now, is that a statement or a question? It's a question. I'm going to... I don't know if you're like... So, uh, if the firewall is completely sealed, um, you can go to uh, Lexan, as far as I know, and then... Um, <laughs> um, I have people talking to me in my chat, sorry. Um, but uh, So, yeah, if you go to Lexan or the to be good safe measure and no one can throw a fit is just do a wall to a shelf and then you're completely guaranteed to pass tech pretty much anywhere. 
Yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, I think he might be asking a question, like where he just needs to read the rule book. Yeah. Type situation, especially with um, the way uh, Formula Drift, because when you're building a drift car, I think kind uh, it at least whatever series is local to you, you kind of want to go off of. Even if you don't plan on competing in that, you do want to have that regulation just in case any other local track like follows that. I think you should. I mean, generally anywhere that uh, has rules, as long as you would uh, pass tech for like Pro Two. Yeah. Um, I mean, of course, at a like a local event, more than likely you're going to be just fine because it's not going to be as stringent. But um, I do see more people moving towards. Um, roll cages and um, firewalls and everything like that, just for insurance purposes. Yeah. So, uh, it makes sense, especially with every, what everybody's doing to their cars. Like a lot of people, kind of like hack their car together, and I'm completely guilty of that because I'm not, I'm not a professional builder of any kind. I'm just some guy who builds a car in his garage and has a podcast in here. Yeah. So. I mean- um, that's the whole reason I'm building. Well, not the whole reason, but definitely part of the reason I want to build another car is that I know mine wouldn't pass uh, tech if I went to, to actual real events. So, yeah, exactly. And I, I don't want to build another cage in my car. <laughs> Yet they're not cheap. And they're not fun to cut one out and then put another one in. Yeah. Have you? Uh, do you do your own fabrication and stuff? Uh, I did. Me and a buddy built the cage that's in the car now. Um, okay. I'm define define what you guys built. Like you actually did the bending, or you guys, you were just there as a extra set of hands. Uh, he did all the bending and um, notching, um, but as far as like placement and what I wanted in the cage, mm-hmm. I managed all that and then oh, welded okay. it all. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. See, that's a, like I. Uh, so I know there's, there's there's like a formula for bending. I haven't done it yet, so don't fucking read me a new one I'm if I'm wrong. A garbage garbage fabricator. <laughs> no, 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 like I uh, I bend conduit. Someone else. Like <laughs> I'm not an electrician, but the work I do requires me to bend my own conduit for work for uh, oh, okay. fire alarms. So we have to like today I was running conduit, and you know there's a formula to it. Like you have to, if you want to make a certain bend, you got to know the math for it. You got to know where to bend, when to bend. And shit like that, um, and I actually yeah. do pretty clean work. Like I'm, that's, you know, I give myself a lot of grief, like uh, about a lot of things, but like that I do pretty well, and I, I like I'm do pretty well in my career. Um, but I know there's just a formula for it, and as soon as I figure it out, I'll just be able to do it, like without any issue. Um, but I watched like quite a few videos about how to do it, how to set up like every bender's quote-unquote kind of different every pipe is going to bend quote-unquote differently um so that's the stuff like so i would just have to like play with it because there's even stuff like i don't bend conduit every day but when i do like i'll fuck up a stick or two like it, it just happens and there's a lot of guys who are like perfectionists like no i get it right every time and I'm like that's fucking cool that you do that but not everyone's like that no yeah well i mean that takes a lot of time and experience and i mean yeah exactly. it's just like anything else is that is skill based yeah time lots and lots of time 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure there might be another electrician who listens to this and is like, uh, like I'll bend something backwards. Like if I'm gonna like make a 90 degree bend in like a piece of conduit, sometimes my dumbass will do it the opposite way because I overthought <laughs> it. Yeah, it, it fucking happens. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been there. <laughs> so it's just, oh well, get another stick. They're like two bucks. Even though I understand that that uh mild steel or DOM, whatever the fuck you're using, is a little bit more expensive. But it is a lot cheaper than, you know, sending it to somebody to do it for something you're more than capable of doing. That's how I feel about it. Um, I know other people kind of are indifferent with that. Because you do get peace of mind when you take it to a, you know, a professional and they're like, oh, I got it done. You're good. Exactly. That's a much rather. As much as I trust Yeah. I would trust someone else that literally does it for a living. Yeah. And their world's like a million times better than mine do. Yeah. And then if they do make the fucking mistake, they're not going to tell you they did. They're just going to fix it and move on. Because I didn't tell my customer, like, hey, I fucked up three pieces of pipe today. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Because they don't care about that $6. That's coming out of, that's not even coming out of my pocket. That just, like, the in the industry, they just understand, like, that that's what happens. Move yeah. Okay. Move it along. It's going to be natural waste. It's just the way it is. Exactly. Um, I did have one question on my Instagram, and it looks to be more of a general question. Please. From Andrew Falk. Uh, what budget drift mods do you recommend for a stock Miata? I'm going going to drift next season. I already got coilovers. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if you have any input, but uh, in my opinion, um, your factory handbrake's going to be just fine um, as long as the cable is good and... Uh, just get lots of tires and you you're super lucky because you can get a super cheap tire and just get a lot of seat time you're going to drive the car really really hard just expect to have to redline it everywhere that's the downside of having a low power car i mean i drifted i did uh some back road drifting in an narx7 and narx7s don't have a lot of torque or power so you have to drive it hard uh, if you already have coilovers, I'll add to this because I'm going to do a sponsor plug. Um, you can hit up driftknuckles.com. Uh, they do, it's just that, drift knuckles. They basically take your OEM knuckles and they change the geometry on them so for where your tire rods bolt up so you can get a little bit more angle. Uh, I think it's like 450 bucks. I don't know if that's a shipped price, if that's a flat rate. I do not know that part. Uh, he's local to me, so I drop my shit off to him, and then I pick it up from him. So, um, But that's something I would recommend. You don't fucking need it, to be quite honest. You really don't. Um, especially it if you're an, just starting. It's not a necessity. It is a nice band-aid, though. It is. Um, but don't use it as a crutch. <laughs> Correct. Uh, I think, like, with... Like just to be just an example, like this car, like I just have knuckles on it. Like I don't have a lower control arm or an upper control arm. I have nothing to. Um, I don't really. I can't have no camber adjustability in the front, no caster adjustability really. Um, I don't think that would be much of an issue in your car, considering because well, it hasn't been yet. But I'm running stupid wide wheels in the front, which I'm actually changing next year, so I'm okay with it. Um, yeah, because you're not running into the issues that like all the older car guys are where it's like McPherson and you have this ridiculous like camper sweep from uh, turning left and turning right. So like you have a nice solid like 
you may gain a little camber as compression happens, but that's about it. So, like, when you're steering left and right, you're not having any camber gain. You're not losing traction by... I didn't even... Left or right. I didn't even think about that until you just said that. So, but since I have, like, a weighted car, so to speak, yeah, I've never had a front grip issue at all. Like yeah, I've never, should. I've never understood once. The BMW did. Uh, it did, like, twice, and then I was like, I changed the front tires to the RSRRs, the Yeah, Federals. that's a good way to fix them. Never, never happened again. Um, yeah. But this car, like, I went from Achilles 123s to some, like, to these Milestar tires that the Drift League um, has, like, a tire deal with, and I still didn't get yeah. any understeer, and it actually kind of made the f- car feel more comfortable, so I wasn't, like, over-gripping the front. Yeah, I actually drive with a really skinny front tire. Mm-hmm. So like I'm 265 rear, but I drifted pretty much this whole season on a 215 front, and I literally drive the car with the rear tires, so I don't rely because there's there's not a lot of weight in the front of an RX-7. Mm-hmm. It's actually really close to being almost uh, 4951 rear. Oh, okay. So whenever the car is in power and squatting, there's the front wheels kind of act like casters. Yeah, so. so since I have no squat with my current spring rate, my car is actually 55% of the weight is up front. Yeah. So it's still fucking there when I'm trying to drive. Yeah. So that's that was my, my what I believe to be my big issue, for, and I'm hoping to correct that. So we will see. Um, yeah. I kind of heard you talking uh, briefly before with uh, uh, Matt, uh, Matt the Ginge. Yeah. About um, sim driving? Yes, that is something I want to get into, but I just, with the amount of money I need to spend on the car right now, it's just not in the budget. I, it's really, really worth it. Do you have one? <laughs> yeah. I hate you. It's, uh, I know, it's, I keep hearing about it. I Mine's a little like pricey compared to like most people. It's a, a Fanatec setup. Mm-hmm. Or phonetics, I know some people call it that. Um, but like, really, I have a few buddies of mine that have like a G920 and a G27, uh, just Logitech's, like the the base stuff you can get for like two hundred bucks, mm-hmm. and they can you know be on my door the whole time, and it really pays off. Like for instance, uh, a younger friend of mine who's actually on part of my drift team, um, Ethan. He just started drifting this year. He bought a red G35, um, bone stock. We welded the diff, and the only seat time he got before that was in sim driving. And he went out to our hardest track and uh, linked the whole thing like five laps in. I hate him. I can't. uh, Sim driving is completely worth it and worth every penny because... You have to, I mean, you get a G29 for like 200 bucks and buy a set of Corsa for 20 bucks, get all the downloads, and then drive all the tracks that you, you've always wanted to drive. And you don't need like a major operating computer for a set of, huh? No, a set of is actually like I could build a maybe $300 computer and have more than enough to run a set of. And you could buy a used computer that works just fine and run a set of for probably oh, yeah. 100 bucks. Uh, another buddy of mine who um, I preached to him uh, up and down about getting a Seto and getting seat time because he loved playing Forza. And I was like, man, if you got a Seto, you would 
he would probably never play Forza again. And he ended up buying a used computer for 400 bucks, and then a G27, and we play Forza not as much as we used to, but it was like once a week. And he got extremely comfortable with me being on his door and vice versa. So it's a good way to get seat time. Such a good way to get seat time and not cost you a penny the whole time you're driving. Yeah, yeah, I'm just trying to get this car back up and running again right now. So, but that is going to be the goal because I'm going to try to like swing it in as my kid's gift that I use. <laughs> like I bought a mo- I, mean, I bought a Modern Warfare for Christmas because he kind of wanted it, <laughs> but I really wanted it. Yeah, <laughs> but I was I wasn't going to buy it for myself. I mean, I just upgraded my PC, and then uh, my girlfriend's been wanting to get into streaming and. So I was like, well, I'll upgrade my PC to the stuff I want, and then I'll just give you everything that I had, and it it runs everything great. Yeah. But I just I make videos and um, play in VR, so I need something that's a little more, uh, you know, up to date. So I was like, you can have the rest of my stuff and play everything that we want to play together. And so I kind of it was a a mixed Christmas present where she got a new computer and so did I, I got a computer. <laughs> Uh, actually, to talk about uh, online streaming, it's, it's something I've been kind of like considering doing is going live. Um, yeah. During these episodes, uh, again, like like I had told you other, earlier that like if I didn't have to do the video thing, like I I won't. But if you want to, I will. That's so I would strongly like you don't even have to do uh, video necessarily. Like, you could just have, like, the logo in the background and just, you know, you talking. But it would be a way to have people uh, commenting as the podcast is going. Especially if you were like, hey, I'm with such and such, you know, possibly much larger than, you know, than I am. And get a more of a crowd. Like, if you had had Matt the Ginge on and been streaming, you could add so many people asking questions and more engagement. Yeah, and that's that's what I'm thinking. Because I want to grow the podcast. And, like, obviously, I'm already out of my comfort comfort zone doing this podcast um if you know me in real life i'm not much of a talker i'm super quiet yeah <laughs> so like i usually just shut the fuck up and stay in my corner unless like like a coworker i'm cool with uh, you know i'll talk to them i'll shoot the shit but outside of that like when i go out unless i'm shit face drunk uh i am not much of a talker um yeah so that's something i want to get into what what's all necessary for that stuff? Because someone so, else might want to do it, so I just thought I'd ask. So there's actually a really uh, the microphone I'm on now. It sounds pretty decent. It works really well if you have a soundboard, but that's kind of a little more in depth than most people want to do. I have um, one. I just don't use it. I would recommend it. Okay. <laughs> it cleans up audio so much better. Um, uh, me and a buddy of mine, uh, Nolan, he actually. We had a podcast going for probably about six months or so. What happened? And uh, <laughs> um, it's really we had a really hard time like getting people on and people being consistent. And, I mean, I'm sure you understand. No, don't. I trust me, I do. But I just didn't. <laughs> but some people were. Uh, Go ahead. But uh, so, anyways, we bought a soundboard and had four inputs. We usually typically try to have four people on at all times, um, just because, like, to me, like a. Uh, in this situation where you're constantly having guests, 
it's perfectly fine to have, you know, just two people because you can have a conversation bouncing back and forth. Um, but whenever you have like the same people on over and over, it's kind of nice to have a little more input. You know, you kind of get to, to know the other ones a little bit more. Um, we actually had a, uh, one of our better podcasts, we had one of our teams that we're really good friends with, um, one of the other drift teams. And um, it was nice to see, or nice to, you know, have a good conversation just about drifting and uh, the local scene and like trying to figure things out. But, um, but with the soundboard and we bought, the microphone I'm using right now is $30 and it's on, my, on, uh, on Amazon. Actually, you probably came in with like the clearest audio of anybody that's ever came on before. So yeah. that's actually kind of nice. Like I have a, um, I have like a recorder. It's not a mixer, so to speak, like a soundboard. But do you use uh, Audacity? I use Audacity to edit the episode. I actually upload this onto my computer. Okay. After so, so I have, yeah, go ahead. Audacity has a really good recorder to it as well. Um, and even if not, then then you, um, what I use to stream is called OBS, and um, you can also just record audio if you want to, or record the you know the image or you yourself speaking in the webcam or whatever. Yeah, so, I just have the cam that's on my laptop, and I don't know how it is. Actually, here we'll try it right now. <laughs> here, watch, you'll see it. Uh, but it's not. What happened? Was, was that switch my video on? It's not great, but it works. But then again, I also don't have very good lighting in my garage. Yeah, so I got really lucky and came across a good light. Um, it's actually just like a, a, like a work light that um, you use for like working on really like circuitry and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's a ring light that's roughly about like, I don't know, eight inches across it's it'd be about a 50 dollar light if you bought it um but i luckily i got it for free so uh, i've been using that and then there's a logitech um that's it's gonna i'm gonna blank out on it um but it's a logitech webcam it's like 50 bucks it does 1080p um at 30 frames which is more than enough for just um will you turn your noise game down um I turn what? But uh, oh, my buddy's giving me shit about my audio. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, okay. I can't help what it is. <laughs> um, but anyways, so like, I have a fifty dollar webcam, a thirty dollar mic, and then my headphones I've been using for since I was in high school. So, it's a really cheap setup for the most part, and then OBS, and you just set up where you want to. Whenever you get a Twitch account, um, under one of the settings, it'll give you your Twitch kind of like ID or link, and you just tag that into OBS, and it'll stream right to it. Or can you, you do the same thing. Can you can you simultaneously do Twitch and YouTube? Yes, it is a little demanding on your upload. That's what I figured. Uh -huh. it, it might, especially with like the video, because that's already taken like a lot of bandwidth. Like, yes. So I I have like the. AT&T like one gig up and down so as when it comes to streaming like my upload is ridiculous because no one like a majority of people aren't uploading things so it's a, a shared bandwidth between like the neighborhood 
And my download ranges from like 200 megabytes or yeah, 200 mega megabits. And then my uploads like 600 to 700. So like uploading a video takes nothing. Like if I upload a video to YouTube and it's 10 minutes long, it takes me like a minute to upload it. You know, I don't, I think I've uploaded like two videos to YouTube and I actually even ended up taking one down, but it's just something I just didn't find any interest in. Like, uh, a lot of people like on that have been on this ep- been on the episode. I always say that like a dumbass. But that have been on this podcast, they talk about like how they do YouTube and stuff like that, and I'm just like, mm, I have no fucking desire to do that in any way, shape, or form. That includes this podcast, but I also know that that is hurting this podcast because I mean, at the very worst, I would just. Um, do you have any like video editing software? I don't, but I'm considering moving over to an Apple computer, which comes um, with one for free. So I might just use that for a little bit. That's if I do. So if you don't do that, I would recommend getting a, there's an open source, um, video editor called shotcut. That's what I use right now. And it works just fine for me. Um, but if you just wanted to like have your image and then just have the audio file, because you can open, I can kind of show you how to use it one of these days if you're interested. But uh, you could have just the image and then just the audio file underneath it. And it basically just be an audio podcast that's on YouTube. As I know there's plenty of people that just listen to podcasts on YouTube. Yeah, that's why like, I want to I wanna kind of like bring more of a bigger audience if I can. Uh, I think like even like today's episode to talk about um, fuel systems, and, and I'm sorry that I don't have enough questions. I actually just don't know. I don't have enough knowledge. Or There's even... really not much to them, so you're not really like. That's when you're like, let's do a half podcast. I'm like, well, it's probably gonna only last like 30 minutes. Yeah, Please. I know. That's why I it's started asking you other questions. questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's like, it's but I mean, something... this this will help other people like trying to get into it as well. Um, as far as like the YouTube videos and yeah. streaming, because. Really, it's so hard to get sponsors these days with just being a, like a decent driver or being a really good driver. Like if you're not active, then you're hang, not going to get anything. Hang on one second on that. Hang on, I gotta give me like thirty seconds. All right, sorry about that. Um, okay, so to get talking about getting sponsors, uh, be, with it being a difficult task these days. Um, so like one thing I've noticed about that is. There's so many other forms of motorsports other than drifting. I understand that drifting is heavily based off off of like a social media following um, and engagement and stuff like that. And then someone as yourself who works in like working for Deechworks, I'm pretty sure you guys get like an influx of fucking, you know, sponsorship decks and stuff like that. Um, And just people bugging you guys for shit. And, And I understand that. And I also understand that I assume you're not the person to go to for that. You just work there, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I, I mostly work on the tech side, so okay. I don't really get to deal with anyone that. But I, I do kind of see the people that come up and ask for sponsorship and, you know, how they approach it. Yeah. And it's kind of weird being on that side of it because, you know, I'm I'm pretty much all of us are kind of trying to do the same thing. Yeah. So, but you see the horror stories because I've heard some pretty bad ones. Um, yeah, there's some people are just like, "Hey, I want a sponsorship." Like, all right, well, what do you got? 
Actually, and that's yeah. Gotta, and but well, but they're saying it like, hey, I want a sponsorship. They're not really giving you much information. Like I looked at one of the first, quote unquote, like sponsorship proposals I sent out, and it was to uh, Cosmos Racing Wheels. And this was like in January of 2017 when I first started. I barely built started building my car a month earlier, at the time, my BMW, yeah. and uh, it was a fucking email with all my information. It wasn't like a PDF file um or anything about ironically it. i did the exact same thing yeah and <laughs> to the same to the same people <laughs> yeah <laughs> to the same people that's what i know because i was talking about i was thinking about hitting them up again to be like hey you um but like i i, I, I also yeah i also have like a different <laughs> approach now and i also understand like just having this this show and kind of learning how people go about it but i think that um, right now yes it is about a social media standing with drifting of course but you still have um, the people who are not doing anything with, like, major social media. Yes, they have a lot of followers, but, you know, like, bigger motorsports like F1. And I'm not trying to compare F1 to F to drifting or anything like that. Or, you know, like, monster trucks. Like, who the fuck are those guys? Like, how are they getting these sponsors? How are they getting this shit paid for? Um, yeah, you never see them on like. When's right? the last time you seen a monster truck on yeah. a billboard? And when's the last anything? time you seen a monster truck? You know, not be decked the fuck out, and they're fi- they're fixed. Exactly. They're fixed their truck in like 15 minutes, and they're back out there again. So that's something I've really been thinking about, and kind of like, how do I approach these companies and stuff like that? Um, and basically, what I'm what I'm kind of leading to is like, the Instagram is talking about. Um, yeah, getting rid of uh, likes. And, Correct. Um, so now, uh, is there no comments is, too, or is it? Still uh, I think you're still going to be able to see them no matter what. Um, but it's like now, it's like, what do you do? What do you? What are people going to do? Like I. Yeah, the only thing I can think of is that they're still going to have because you can still monitor who's like if you have a the business account. Yeah, you can still you can still get the metrics. Yeah, there's still a way to see that. So, I mean, I guess you would relay that information. But even then, it's like, how positive is that? Or is it just like, you know, is it a bunch of people just shit-talking you? Yeah, <laughs> and everyone has a of... podcast nowadays. Everyone has a fucking YouTube. Um, yeah. You know, like, well, I mean, you... yeah. Because the, mar- not the market, but the, what motorsports wants is exposure. And it's, it needs exposure to honestly stay alive because of you know all the motorsports itself needs exposure but target doesn't need fucking exposure target oh, needs yeah, people no. target needs foot traffic and people spending money in their stores you know what i mean that's but, like the, that's the big difference of like going after you know Deechworks. yeah i'll say on the on the flip side like i'm i'm in a position where if there's not people driving with Deechworks products i don't have a job correct so if like we need people we need people to have their star sticker on their door or you know a way of them saying hey you know i buy detroit because it works or it's you know it's good it makes sure you know my car stays on the road or whatever yeah then so like but it's because i'm in the motorsport industry and you know there's a lot of people that just don't you know don't have that same issue you know they work at a department store or they work you know for such and such and they're not affected by the uh like there's been plenty of times where i'm like 
I don't know how the automotive market is going to keep going. Am I going to have a job in, you know, five years or 10 years is, mm-hmm. you know, electric car is going to take my business away. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's a weird, weird situation to be in considering, you know, where we were, you know, 10 years or 20 years ago where, you know, JDM was just starting to become a thing and people were starting to build, you know, these ridiculous cars and ridiculous being like 300 horsepower, you know, it's not, it's not what it was. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not, but it's not, it's not bad at the same, I think we look at the heyday of like the, the 60s and 70s of the uh, muscle car era and how like, how thriving the, um, well, in 10 years after that, there's the, the oil crisis. Yeah. And then another so. one. Um, but it's like, what are people going to do? Like, because not everyone's going to be able to be like, oh, I have this many flowers. Like, people are eventually going to be like, that's fucking cool, man. I don't really give a shit. Like, eventually yeah. it's going to get back to its roots where it's going to be like, oh, well, what are you doing to sell more product? Like, are you just because you're talking about on Instagram, like how you're like, oh, this clutch is the best because I got this clutch. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, it's, I th- I think it's trying to start getting to a point to where, I mean, I really kind of hope it gets to this point where, Drifting starts becoming the next, um, like, monster jam. Like, where you're seeing cars doing absolutely crazy shit. We are. And we are. It's, uh, you know, I mean, like, Formula D's, it's really, like, it's really cool. I want to do it. But at the same time, it's like, when you watch, like, Drift Shifters or something like that, where it's, you know, really based on precision driving and, um, you know, doing all these weird tricks and whatnot. Like, go back to its old, like, skateboard-style routes where you got cars, you know, that would... I mean, there's plenty of bank tracks, but there's none that's, like, where the bank is ridiculous or something. Or, you know, where the where there's, there's no, like, actual, like, ramps that are on drift tracks where the cars are meant to go completely off the ground all four wheels. Like there's a couple tracks that it's worth, it's a coincidence, like uh, Manami or something like that. But it's you know you don't see that stuff here. Irwindale, there's a bump in the middle of the track somewhere. I don't know exactly where but, it's at, but I've I've hit it before and it's it's uh, it's not comfortable feeling. Yeah, but I mean that just means you're offline. If though. you see, yeah, if you see a car going off a drift and it stays in drift and lands and stays in drift, that'd be cool as shit in my opinion. I agree. Like, I mean, uh, it doesn't it, need to be like it, a fucking six foot jump, but just no, to see, no, no. even if you see like two tires come off the ground. Um, yeah. Yeah, I can yeah, agree that with that. Completely cool if we would find a way to like Implement incorporate the, the the whole style element back it, into drifting. It might. As a, like, not just the like the flashy, you know, I got flake in my paint and I'm super low and like those cars wouldn't work in that situation. Where yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I'm very much, I'm not against those. Like, I, I think they're cool. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I like seeing those cars. Uh, I give, I give a lot of shit to two forties because I also grew up in like the hot rod scene. Like, um, you know, like growing up, like around my dad, my uncles, like all his friends, like, so I've been there with, I've seen guys build a 66 caprice from the ground up, like a low rider. I've yep. seen my dad build several 
He's had a 64, you know, Oldsmobile Cutlass. That thing had a 49-inch in the rear, IFS front suspension, coilovers all the way around. Um, yeah. That thing had a small block 350 in it. Like, just a full-on hot rod. And that's... And I, and I love that part of the that aspect of, of, of the build where you make a car look really nice. And then... Yeah. You know, I, I completely... And then I see drifting that same concept where you're making this car look really nice and then you're driving the living fuck out of it. That's why I felt so much in love with drifting. It it really uh, related to me because I always wanted like, yeah, you see all these guys building nice fucking cars, but they're not doing with them, doing anything with them. Yeah. Like going down a straight line. Like that's fucking awesome. Like that bores the shit out of me. And uh, yeah, I don't, I do not under, like, I understand everyone gets their, their kicks in their own way. Like, yeah. Don't get me wrong. But like drifting is like one of the few sports. I actually had a argument, a small argument with a coworker earlier today because he's really into autocross, and I was like, "Well, like I understand like you're driving around in a parking lot, dodging cones, the same as I am, but there's something about being on rev limiter the whole time, there and is. clutch kicking and dragging the handbrake, and there's like, so much more going just, on. Yeah, it's just so much, especially when you got people going door-to-door like you don't have that in autocross there's no door-to-door racing in autocross so no, it's, it's one of the few sports where you can go to door-to-door and it's not going to cost you a thousand dollars for a weekend and it's still what what do you mean it's not going to cost you a thousand dollars for a weekend it's just expensive <laughs> um but it's, it's still like it's still very much um style implemented so like a yes. lot of drifting is based on style and uh one thing I kind of notice is like so my style is completely different I like a clean looking car uh obviously I don't always have the money to make my car look clean because obviously these other parts are expensive doing work on the car is expensive um it's not cheap by any means so it doesn't necessarily look the exact way I want it to um but like the car Cars can still look good, but they can you can drive them, like they're they're built to be driven. That's what I really like about drifting. Like a lot of guys will give you brownie points because a your car is all one color, or you've got you do have a flashy paint job or a flashy livery or something like that, and you're still putting on people's door. Yep, you're still killing it, and that's out there. You get more respect. Not necessarily. You get a you have a super nice car, but you're not like you're putting like two laps in, or you're. You know, you're not tandeming with anybody because you don't want to ding up your car. It's like, I don't it's not understand why you're out there. Yeah. And then you build it at the, you know, you crash it all during the season, you rebuild it during the off season, and it looks good again. Yep. So that's something that I've always kind of, like, was very keen on. And then you see, like, the pro guys who are like, nope, this shit looks good all fucking year, and I drive the living shit out of it all fucking year. Uh, I mean, I don't want to be one of those guys, but, like, that's what sponsors do. <laughs> No. And it, like it, and it makes sense because, like, if your car looks like shit the whole year, then you're not gonna get the same amount of sponsors. Uh, I don't think it should look like shit, um, but I think no, I, battle scars I, are. Res- I think battle scars are respected, and that yeah. they have their place, and that they should be there to a certain extent. Now, if you blow off a whole fucking front bumper and you're trying to run around without a bumper for the rest of the season. I think it's kind of like, hey, like, you know, I understand that the shit's expensive, but, you know, find a cheap bumper and spray paint it. <laughs> My buddy's like, more driving the whole year and driving the shit out of it 
the more sponsors get exposure. At the yes same no. time, if you rip off the bumper that has their name on it, then, then they're not going to get any exposure. Yeah, exactly. Like if I have somebody, if I sponsor somebody and they have Drifting Prom on their front bumper and they take it out the first round and they're like, oh, I don't have it in the budget to, to fucking uh, get another bumper and put your sticker back on them. I'm like, well, it's not going to work for me. Like our agreement was on the front bumper or whatever it was. Yeah. Not, not that I'm doing that. Don't, I can barely afford my shit. I can't even afford my shit. So it's just, uh, you got to keep the car looking good. Huh? I think it's an everybody thing. It's just being able to afford to do this is a huge pain in the ass. Yeah, you know, I make a. Mm, I think it helps that I have like a second income because my girlfriend works, and we split the bills, so that's definitely a huge factor. Um, especially living in Los Angeles. Yeah, I don't know how you afford to do that living there. Uh, we. <laughs> We split the bills, and I spend every dime I have. I don't have a savings. Um, we don't own a house. But then again, she spends every dime she has on vacation. Like, she just got back from fucking New York last night. So, oh, you know, nice. we're we're content. <laughs> we're happy. Yeah, my girlfriend my girlfriend luckily loves drifting. Oh, sweet. So, if I'm just like, hey, I'm not going to be able to afford another set of tires, so we're going to get, you know, half a day. She'd be like, all right, well, how much is it? I'm like, all right, we're, we're getting another set of tires then. And she'll find out the cash and help me out. But I, I know a lot of people don't have that benefit. Yeah, uh, same here. Um, I know for a fact that if I needed it, my girlfriend would just be like, yeah, we're okay, what do you need? Uh, yeah. So, but I just, I just, right at the moment, I just, I haven't done it and I, I don't think I will. At least not yet. Um, but that's something like for someone who supports you like that, uh, that's definitely a good thing to have because not everyone gets that. And like I hear a lot of guys complain about how like, oh, I'm doing this all by myself. Like, okay, that's that's one thing. Then I guess you're going to have to fucking learn how to get sponsors. Um, yeah. I mean, for most people, that's normal. And I mean, yep. I'd, I'm definitely, I don't like asking for handouts and Same. I don't want to, you know, make someone else. I mean, there's plenty of times where we've gotten, not in the fights, but just like, hey, we're doing this because I want to do it, not necessarily because you want to. And she's like, no, we're going to go to the track and I'm going to get more ride alongs than anybody else. So she's like, like, all right. She's like, fuck those people. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, like she'll get, she gets upset if she doesn't get the most ride alongs. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, I um, I've actually never given a ride along because I've never either like this car doesn't have a seat in it right now my CTS, and then my BMW had a seat but I never threw a seat belt in it. You are missing out, dude. Uh, it's actually gonna happen. I have the seat belt. I have the seat. I just need to take the time to uh, get it in there because I got to make my own brackets because uh, no one makes a bracket for the CTS V. It's just the CTS. It's also. It's also to be a, a really good help um, to get someone in there. Like, if you're having issues with the car and you're like, man, I just can't figure out how to drive it. And then someone else can sit in the passenger seat and be like, and can feel what the car is doing. Because on the outside, you're just like, all right, you know, you should have done this. But when you're inside the car, you're like, well, he is doing that. And maybe he needs to do something else to correct it. Or I have know. pretty much like an open invitation for anybody who drives better than me. But if you drive like, like I drive pretty bad, like, let's be honest. 
Um, there's pretty much like an open invitation to, to for anybody to drive my car. But if uh, if some guy, like, some regular guy, comes off the street, like, oh, let me drive your car. I can drive it better than you. I'm like, uh, you don't. I don't even know who you are. <laughs> right. I'm like you're just some guy who does donuts in the middle of the street. Like let's, let's take it yeah, easy. Yeah, but the, at the same time, it's uh, like your driving style is obviously going to be different than someone else's. Yeah, so, so that's them that's also you, something that I consider. Them watching you do what you do and be like, hey, either you know don't do this or you need to do this longer or you need to do this for a short amount of time. So doing like. I'd rather, as a, like, I actually got to teach at one of the events uh, not that long ago. They had, like, a, like, a, just a student event, and then they brought a couple of the, the uh, people I've been doing it for a little while, and for some reason I got invited. Um, but they had, like, had me teach a couple of people. And it's easier for me to, like, be in the car with somebody. You're like, hey, you know, you're just not aggressive enough. Like, you need to drive with more throttle and that's just what you need to do and then they'll they'll try it and of course they'll they'll probably spin out but you learn to gauge what is necessary and what isn't by being in the car with someone as opposed to like even if like i went and drive your car or someone else that was better than me went and drove your car then my driving style is completely different and i'm gonna drive the car different than so than the way you would yeah so it may work for me but then i walk back to the pits and i go hey this is what I did. And you're like, all right, well, that doesn't work for me because I don't drive that way. Yeah. And I've had so many people tell me like, oh, you're not driving it right. Uh, do this, do that. And they drive, you know, completely different. I really do like the, just hold the fucking throttle down and keep going. Yeah. And some guys, a lot of guys like to modulate and that's fine. But you know, either I need to learn to modulate or I need to set my car up to the way I drive. Or figure out what you need to, I mean, tune the car the way you drive or drive something else. Like, uh, luckily, like my car was down for the a majority of the year, actually, because I was building and changing things and adjusting things. So I didn't make it out until like the fourth event of the year and then only did three events until it blew up and then attended like a few more events. But I got seat time at every single one because I had some really good friends that were like, hey, um, as long as you bring tires, I'll let you drive my car. I'm like, all right, hell yeah, I'll do that. So go out to the event, and I drove a V8 S14 this year, a uh, pretty much stock uh, E36, um, a three, uh, 350Z, a 370Z, a G35, and actually two 350Zs this year. But, yeah, just driving all those, and then also drove a RB20 Skyline. and But, like, it's a huge adjustment from each car and, like, figuring out what each car needs. And if you hop into, like, an S14, you're like, all right, you know, I love the way this car feels, and you go to make your car mimic that. And, and you can somewhat do that in the setup. Yeah, that's the plan is to try to do that. Um, but I also know, like, my track record of crashing a lot because... <laughs> like the BM, the BMW of me crashing into the wall at Irwindo isn't my first wreck. Uh, I also do you not have any like uh, like parking lot events. We do not. Uh, uh, at least not none that I've made it to. We have the balcony up at Willow Springs, which is kind of 
it has its obstacles, but it, for the most part, it's pretty open. But even there, I was like, hey, there's a hill right there. I'm going to hit it. And then I did. Yeah, uh, target fixation is a really big issue. And yeah, I learned that. Get over. Um, like I, I've said it before in the past, like I, I kind of knocked a previous dr- dr- uh, FD driver for like giving me shit about it. Uh, fuck, I can't think of his name right now. I feel like a piece of shit. Um, he drove a... God damn it. It's going to drive me nuts. I got to look it up on Instagram. But anyways, <laughs> I was giving him shit about it about... Um, well, not directly, but kind of on here. Like uh, during the first fucking episode, my first episode ever with this thing, uh, about not allowing me to drive the way I want to drive. Uh, Taka Aono. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, and I'm a dumbass. I know, but I but I always call myself out on call myself out on things. No problem. Um, but uh, he was like, "Oh, you're too fixated on that hill." And when he said that, I knew he was right, like, right a fucking way. I was like, damn, he's right, because I keep looking at that fucking hill, and as soon as I lock eyes, my eyes never, like, my helmet never turns. Leave it. Yeah. Yep. And then I just go right into the fucking hill. Um, yeah, but, getting away from that is definitely, like, the problem is it's very instinctual to do that. Yes. And a lot of people just like, all right, I see it, I want to go away from it. And your body just kind of goes, all right, this is where we're going, and you never do anything to adjust it. Yeah, mm-hmm. like even playing video games for in- for instance, like I learned recent cuz I didn't play a lot of video games growing up. Um the only re- the only reason I recently started playing video games was cuz my son. And I would always be so focused on directly what's in front of the car, like just during a video yeah. game that I would crash so much and then finally I started looking ahead like a little yeah. bit towards you know, higher in the screen and then I would do a lot better. So then I was like, "Oh shit, I need to do that." in real life and then i kind of implemented that a little bit but i was i don't want to blame the car but i was having car issues so i'm hoping that next year that i can kind of like put my foot down finally and figure it out yeah the best thing to do is if like as soon as you get to a corner look for the exit and just keep looking for where so like if you're going to the next corner look for the apex you're going to the next corner look for the apex like just constantly yeah, that's, like that's where i've kind of gotten to now you never look at where you know like you're so you're, focused on what you're gonna do like right then and there instead of worried about yep. the next thing because then you kind of like yep. fuck yourself up and that's uh that's some for me i learned by experience some other people can learn from just you know like people can read a book and learn that way i that's not something i can really do like all of the failed sponsorships proposals i've sent out I've learned that, oh, that's the wrong way to do it. Yeah. And I've had, like, yeah, a little... I've learned a lot from, uh, like, video games, for instance, and um, there was actually a book that came with a Gran Turismo 4 um, that had, like, a lot of, like, racing stuff in it, and, like, racing theory and, like, the exact same thing we're talking about now where, you know, looking where you want to go. Yeah. And I learned a lot from that and also just, like... It sounds like a joke, but I played Need for Speed Most Wanted, and I would run into cars all the time because I would look at them, and I would never dodge them. So it kind of I learned from that to you know, not 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 look at the things that you're trying to avoid. So and then I mean, for instance, it really saved my ass this last uh, yeah this last event. We we had a team bash event, 
mm-hmm. and a buddy let me drive his 370Z because obviously mine was down, and um, we were going into we drive this little go kart track, uh, Oklahoma Motorsports Complex. It's by far the best track we have in our like little repertoire that we go around to. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like a second gear entry into this big sweeper, and I mean you're moving probably. 50 miles an hour, but the track is probably maybe, maybe 20 feet wide. So there's not like a lot of room for air. And my uh, uh, other teammate was in front of me, and we flicked into the big sweeper. And I seen him start to like go a little too far, and it was thanks to like playing a set out all the time that I recognized like, hey, he's spinning. All right, look for an exit immediately. And I looked to the left. There's no, you know, I was going to go over the bank, but I was going to avoid hitting, T-boning him. And then, you know, obviously it saved the 370Z and my buddy from getting in a wreck. Yeah. Just by experience in video games. So that's another, like, sim driving really helps. And just, like, getting driving theory down really helps. Got to work on that myself, man. I'm, I'm, like, you get that tunnel vision so to speak like if you look forward and i think um with the the faster you can learn to adapt to that and figure that and actually use that uh to look ahead the the quicker you're going to be to adapt like to get better yeah for sure um we'll we will see i'm hoping to implement all that bullshit next year um do you have any like confirmed pro two shootouts you're gonna do like if you know they're coming back like are you for sure like hey this i'm fucking doing this one i'd really want to do the one that if they do it at uh, pikes peak international raceway again um i definitely want to go to that one okay um my buddy's really good friends with the track owner there so i'd love to go hang out and party there again and um then they did one up in, I want to say, uh, North Dakota. Was it that far? It was either North Dakota or Nebraska. I know it starts with an um, But they did, and I think um, Nate Hamilton won that one this year. Uh, but, yeah, I'd love to go up to that track because they just got, a, like, a fresh new track the last couple two, uh, last couple years. Um, but other than that, I don't really know if there's any that I'd be willing to like. I, it's really hard for me to drive to the coast, uh, just because like I'm very centralized, and that's like a 24-hour drive. We drove to California like two years ago, and that was miserable. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I've done the, the cross-country thing. It's not as fun as you think it is. But yeah, I would like to go to uh, No Coast. No Coast looks like a blast. Dude, I wanted to go to that one too. That one, uh, my. A fellow CTS driver went to that, Sam Silva. Um, he does the, uh, he's been doing the the Lone Star Street Legal Series in a CTS V. Oh, nice. That would actually be a really good chassis for that. Uh, that. You'd think so. He has a lot of complaints about it, is but it, then again, he has like limited knowledge on drifting. Um, is it a, a supercharged or is it just a. No, it's the six? same, it's the same fucking um, chassis I have. It's not the second gen. The second gen is the one that came the supercharger. But, um, he and I kind of like share a lot of information and 
I he was telling me like what spring rates he was on, and I was like, "How about you shoot down to this?" And then he finally went down. He's like, "Oh, by the way, that made it way better." Um, he went to like a five k spring in the rear on a true coilover, and he said it made made it way better. And he's still like it, probably I want to say stock weight because he I don't believe the street legal series requires you to have a cage if I'm not mistaken because I don't I uh, know for it depends on depends on the year and it's up to uh judge discretion yeah i, I know, know he's don't need cages and a few other like newer cars yeah his for a fact does not have a cage on it and then i he built another one recently that uh he put a cage in so we'll see and they were all just on fucking knuckles right now because we're trying to get somebody to make a angle kit for this damn car but no one's really given like a solid uh price point yet to do it and so no one's really jumping on anything i've gotten like a few quotes as far as like oh yeah i can charge you like we'll see how long it takes and then i'll give you a price but i i can't really i can't really do something on somebody who's gonna like charge me like an hourly rate yeah because there's no talent yeah exactly that can get crazy um here's your two thousand dollar knuckles no it was supposed to be a whole setup like I was, I was kind of like budgeting myself to spend like twenty five hundred bucks on a complete um, angle kit. That's I, I can't even just because just, like, just because I knew it was going to be like basically essentially it was going to be a one off. Yeah, you know because as soon as I tell somebody else about it and I'm like oh I paid this much, you know granted the guy might be like oh yeah I can make them for like eighteen hundred bucks now but even then like it's still that's still a hefty price to pay oh yeah like i was i didn't want to buy the powered by max kit which was only a grand and that's control arms and uh re re re-engineered knuckles and whatnot so i went and got the villains kit for like 400 bucks all day if someone was (laughs) like oh yeah i got one for fucking 1200 bucks i'd be like here take it yeah no i can't justify that (laughs) yeah but i also want like a double a arm setup so like the 350z setups in the front so yeah, it's just, no. you know, you, there's a lot more things to do. It's not just a lower control arm and a knuckle. Now it's a upper and lower and a knuckle. So I know it's going to be a bit more expensive. Yeah. But, I'm surprised the Powered by Max guys haven't done that one yet. They have the C5 set up. It may not be far off from that because apparently some of the parts are kind of uh, interchangeable. But I don't know how true that is. But already, man. Uh, shit, dude. This is the longest episode we've had in a while. <laughs> We're going to cut it here. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch base on that we didn't? Uh, I mean, not that I can think of, and unless you don't mind me just doing a few, like, shout-outs for myself. Dude, please do. Those are more than welcome. Um, I have a, a team YouTube, um... We really just post a bunch of shenanigan videos, not really anything serious. Um, I've tried the vlogging. I don't really like it. I like just posting music and drifting. It's a lot more fun. Um, it's Team Kuso. Give us a... a spell that. You know, team, spelled like team. And then uh, Kuso is K-U-S-O. Um, it's pretty easy to see. It's big black circle with the Kuso in the center of it. Um, you'll see my blue arc seven and then uh, a few other buddies cars on the the background, but, um, 
yeah, check us out there. And we also have a uh, team Instagram. It's a uh, team Cuso drift. Uh, but that's pretty much it. All right. Any sponsors? Uh, I have uh, Atkins Rotary, um, but that's really only applicable for guys that have rotaries. Um, no, that's fine. Some guys have they, rotaries that listen to this. They uh, help me with all my seals, and um, I build all my own motors. Not really worry about um, you know getting that sourced out. Um, Central Speed Supply, the local to the city. They're, uh, they help me out with uh, premix. Any rotary guy that's going to run any premix um, or any fluids. Uh, if you're running E85, I would definitely recommend running a top end lube. But I get all my stuff from there, and then obviously Detworks. They help me with all the fuel system. And then everyone's going to supposed to send their emails to you, right? What's your email address so they can all bug you about sponsorships that you have no control over? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm good. All right, I'll give if, everybody. If your, you call, I'll give everybody if your you, Skype. If you call uh, Detworks and ask for tech, you'll talk to me. But I mean, I can help you design a fuel system and build it, and tell you what you need and you don't need. But uh, that's about the end of it. Yeah. But hey, man, uh, I definitely thank you for coming on. Uh, didn't think the episode was going to go this long because I was kind of lost in the beginning. I was like, not fucking prepared for you to come on. <laughs> Like I had, I didn't, I like when I wanted to do this episode, I actually wanted to get like more information, but work has been fucking crazy busy. So I haven't even had time to even think about posting about what to ask for specifically. Um, I hope we did cover Um, enough as far as fuel systems, but like you said, it's not that, um, they're very basic, but you know, some people still will have fuel issues. Well, I'm super uh, open to answer any questions. If anyone wants to message me on Instagram or Facebook, um, my Instagram's clueless DAC, uh, which is counterintuitive to actually knowing information. Um, but, uh, I'll open, I'll answer any questions on there or on Facebook. Uh, so. Alrighty, man. Thank you again. And you have a good night, sir. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.